Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Come on, that's more than enough for me, but if you love Jesus, can you give Jesus a shout? Anyone feel grateful? Anyone feel appreciative? I mean, come on, we get to be in the house of God. Thank you. We get to worship the King of Kings, our our Lord and our Savior, who's willing to revive, by the way, who's willing to meet us, who's willing to love us. If you're grateful for everything he has done and everything he's about to do, come on, give him a shout. Give him a shout. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let me ask you to remain standing just for two more seconds. Two more seconds. How many of you love your pastors? It's funny because when me and uh, Pastor Jeff were at dinner last night, we were talking, I realized how much time had gone by that we've actually got to see each other. One time we went with our kids to Disney, and uh, my daughter Chloe, uh, who's now 13, I think was seven. And uh, Zoe, who was just leading us in worship, would have been six. And I see that picture all the time. And come up here, and I'm watching her lead us, and trying not to cry. Because what's sweeter? <laughs> what's sweeter than the children that are growing up in the house of God, loving Jesus? And, you know, I saw Mia backstage. I didn't want to be the guy that's like, hey, remember me? I've uh, been praying for Jude. We actually have this little sticky note in our kitchen. Uh, our kitchen's all white. It's the only non-white thing in there. And it's like this yellow sticky note. And it just says, pray for Jude. And we pray for him every morning. You know, I, I love your vulnerability. I didn't get to see you yet. Hey, uh, your, your vulnerability to come up here and be that transparent with us. I'm only saying all this. And in a day and age where people are uh, trying to deconstruct the church and trying to spin a narrative that uh, the church has not done well or pastors don't do well, get really choked up when I'm around some faithful pastors and incredible churches like this, packed on a Sunday morning in a city of churches, by the way, and packed on a Sunday morning with the presence of God and sharing their vulnerability with you. I, I, loved, I love the tag team approach, by the way, because Pastor Amy, you're, you're, you're sharing with us everything that you went through and you even admitted that even in that moment, like there was this inkling of, of faith that I had and it was enough and you, you leveled the playing field for us because you humanize what we all feel like when we go through stuff. And that's special, man. That's, and then you get... You get Jeff, one of the most talented people in the world, he's like a movie scorer, producer, singer, R&B edge. I'm a big R&B fan, so I'm just listening, going, this is everything that I love. Um, and then from the theological standpoint, he comes up here and breaks down revival. And most pastors in the charismatic church world won't break it down that way because it would almost take away from from the response. And what I mean by that is to give you a healthy perspective to flat out and say, you want revival? Well, to ask for a revivalist to confess that something's dead. 
And we're shouting to that, by the way. Like, I am dead, you know. Like, someone's spouse is grabbing their hand. Shut up, you know. Forgive me for belaboring the point here. I'm just, I am blown away. And I am, I am grateful for who you are and, and what you do. And I think in a world where the word honor is overused and misappropriated, I think this is a family. I think this is a couple. I think these are pastors that are worthy of, of honor because the fruit of their lives are found in their children and in all of you. If you are grateful for your pastors, come on, let's show them how much we love them right now. We honor you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for that incredible meal last night, by the way. It was, it was really good. Um, go on ahead and grab a seat. Keys, can you stay with me? Thank you. We got all of you. If I could sing, I would go into it, um, but I can't. So um, if, if we'd not met, my name is Chris, I'm born and raised in New York. Um, I've done everything in youth ministry, and young adult ministry, got to serve as an executive pastor for some year, even got to serve as a lead pastor uh, for some time. And now in this season of my life, I get to travel the world preaching and teaching the gospel. I actually serve as a teaching pastor at a handful of churches around the country, which only means I fly in for them about three or four times a year teaching on their sermon series or whatever they would request that I help out with. And then in between that, I get to come to churches like this. I'm honored. And you know, what's funny is I always travel. He's one of my best friends. His name is Al. He's sitting here on the front row. We've been traveling together for years. And it just so happened that his wife, Wanda, was in town visiting her family. So she gets to be here too, which is a treat for me because we never get Wanda. Uh, she's like keeping us in line this morning. I'm like, we're used to like just driving and being men. I don't know. And she's just being awesome. And it's just a treat for me. I love this couple so much. You have no idea what they mean to us. They they're just two of the best. So for me, it just feels like one big honor. Today, my assignment's pretty clear. And to be honest with you, I was actually trying to preach a new message. And I felt like I was fighting with the Holy Spirit. Um, and he was telling me that you need, to, you need to tackle the fear that has imprisoned so many. You've been battling fear, and as a result, you feel stuck. You feel scared. There are many of you here, you have not been able to move like you used to move. You have not been able to live like you used to live. There are things that you used to do now that seem foreign to you. And what I hear the Holy Spirit is saying is, I want to revive the joy in your life. There are some of you that used to worship, you don't worship anymore. In fact, you used to serve on the worship team and you need to get back on the worship team. But something happened where you stepped off and it had nothing to do with the church, but fear got a grip of you. Or you used to serve at some capacity of ministry. You used to love to tithe. You used to love to give. You used to love to be a part, but then something happened and it stopped you. And it's not an offense with the pastor. You just feel like it's safer if you just stay put. And that church hurt, but you're hurt. And as a result, it's stopping you from, from worshiping. And I'm not just talking in song, but with your life. You know, Romans 12 talks about offer yourself as a living sacrifice. You used to do that. Now it's like, let me just get in, get out. The Holy Spirit says, you're about to get your joy back. I'm going to revive your joy. You're you're going to start singing again. You're going to start dancing again. You're, you're going to start laughing again. Even now, you might even be uh, nervous to applaud to it because you're like, well, God, I've been dealing with this 
for so long, and I know I'm probably in your business just a little bit right now, but he's saying you're about to get back to all of it. In fact, there are several of you that suffer with night terrors. If, if, you, if you would not mind, and if you're embarrassed, that's okay, but if you would not mind, if you suffer with night terrors, just throw your hands up and throw it down real quick. You just, yep, there you go. You suffer with night terrors, and the Holy Spirit says you're not only about to get your rest back, but you're about to dream again. And as you start to dream, as you start to dream, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to, I'm going to show you what it is that I have for you. Keep something next to your bed to write down what it is that I say to you, because you're going to wake up with plans. You're going to wake up with business plans. You're going to wake up with ideas. You're going to wake up with revelation. And he says, I want you to get ready. The reason why the enemy has wanted to stop you from resting is because then you end up restless. And if you're restless, then you're praiseless because then you don't feel a need to worship and you don't feel a need to praise. But he says, I'm about to, I'm about to revive that in you. In fact, you're not only coming back, but you're coming back better. And today I want to read to you three verses that are actually on the heels of one of the greatest revivals in our Bible. I've read these verses dozens of times. I'm I'm sure that you have heard or read these verses yourself dozens of times, but these verses have never stuck out to me like they did a few months ago. In fact, it was in June when the Holy Spirit dropped these verses on my heart, and I've been wrestling with it ever since. It's in John, John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. Now, before I read these three verses to you, let me set up what happened previously, because prior to these three verses, verses 1 through 8, you most likely have heard this story if you've grown up in church, if you've spent any time around church. This is the very famous moment where Jesus is at his friend's house. His friends are Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He's at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's house, and we know that he's there for a dinner party. The nature of this dinner party is celebratory. Why is it celebratory? Because Lazarus, the brother, was sick only a few days prior. And not only was he sick, he died. Then Jesus shows up on the scene a few days after him being dead and then revives him. So now on the other end of the revival, they're celebrating. Jesus is there. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is there. Also, also, the disciples are there. And I point that out because can you imagine how sweet this moment must have been, how celebratory it would have been. This is why, this is the exact moment, if you ever heard it in your Bible, where Mary is at the feet of Jesus and she takes her expensive, her expensive oil, her expensive perfume, and she pours it on the feet of Jesus and she lets down her hair and she uses her hair to massage it into the feet of Jesus as a moment of praise. Like, like imagine the sweetness of the moment. I imagine Lazarus being overwhelmed that he is the living physical embodiment of I once was dead, but now I'm alive. In the same moment, Judas, who would later betray Jesus, he already had made the decision that he would betray Jesus, but had not yet gone public uh, with his disposition. So in this moment, this is where he very famously says, hey, stop, stop, stop using the oil on Jesus. Don't waste that perfume on Jesus because we could take the money that we would make from the perfume and we could use it for the poor, which by the way, you could always tell when someone's disgruntled in ministry because they start to try to poke holes at things be only because they're just frustrated and they try to look at everything to say how they can make it better when in actuality it's all good and I love Jesus' response and he goes let her be 
Why? Because Judas was not worried about the poor. He just did not want to see Jesus have oil poured on him. He goes, let her be, which that could preach all by itself. Let her worship. Let her let her worship. The poor will always be among you, he says. But me, I'll be gone. And, and really, he will be gone because only, it's only a few days after that where he gets arrested and is crucified. This is all that's taken place inside of the house. The three verses that I want to read to you is exactly what's happening outside of the house simultaneously. That's the part that I never made the connection. And I read these three verses, it blew my mind. It says this, John 12, verse 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him. And also to see Lazarus. The man Jesus raised from the dead. Ooh, come on, Revival Sunday. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Have you ever been somewhere where there's a celebrity out inside of a, outside of a, inside of a room or a house or a building and people flock to the outside like a bunch of groupies, right? Because they're just hoping. They know they're not getting inside, but they're hoping to get a glimpse. A couple of months ago, I was uh, traveling. I was in the East Village of Manhattan. I was getting a haircut, and as I was driving home, uh, uh, as I'm driving, all of a sudden, I have to come to a stop because I'm surrounded by all these people, all of these, all of these young adult and teenage girls. I roll down my window, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And someone screamed out, Taylor Swift is inside. And now I could not get home because of T-Swizzle, all because she wasn't even outside. She was in the building. This is what's happening. People are so excited just to get a glimpse. And they're not only excited to get a glimpse of Jesus, they're excited to get a glimpse of the evidence. They're, they're excited to get a glimpse of Lazarus. So most of the people that are there, they're excited, man. They, they want to see. Then there are other people there that are speculating and they're going, well, I wonder if Lazarus is really alive or, or, or did they just, you know, fake his revival and they got a stick behind his head and they're just walking him around like weekend at Bernie's making pretend that he's alive like I'm not, I'm not really sure and then look who else shows up verse 10 says then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too that's the part that got me Lazarus who was dead gets revived and now the enemy wants to kill him because he was revived and then it says, for it was because of him that many of the people that had deserted them and believed in Jesus, which also shows me that not everyone that shows up in a crowd is there with the same intention. Not everyone that shows up to a celebration is there to celebrate. Don't ever misconstrue crowds as a commonplace. It does not mean that everyone is there with the same attitude or or reasoning. Why? Because anytime God's people show up to praise, the enemy will start to plan. He will start to plot. But don't worry. You keep praising. You keep worshiping. Because look what the Bible says. The Bible says in Psalm 21 verse 11, although they plot against you, their evil schemes will never succeed. Isn't that good? Although they plot against you, their evil schemes will never succeed succeed. I want to take the next few moments. I want to talk to you from this idea 
I stole it from a, a video I saw on Instagram. I saw this video of these, of these cheerleaders and they were doing this cheer and they were like, you don't want no problems. You just talk like you do. And you just, and I started raising the volume on, I was getting hyped. Like I was there, you know, just middle-aged white guy in his car, you know, <laughs> I want to talk to you from this idea. They are no problem. They just talk like they are. Come on. If you're taking notes, write that down. They are no problem. They just, they just talk like they are. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. That's a good prayer right there. You should adopt that kind of prayer. By the way, the holidays are coming up. That food will not get cold. <laughs> that turkey or where all the Puerto Ricans at, that penil will not get cold. No. You're like, you said that wrong. Yes, Joe Soy Gringo. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because I grew up with Puerto Ricans my whole life, and I was always the only Italian and uh, married a Colombian. And in some ways, people always identify me as Spanish, and I don't know why, especially when I talk because I cannot roll my R's. Anyway, um, today, today's scripture of focus is John 12, verses 9 through 11 specifically verse 10. Verse 10 is actually the last time we read Lazarus's name in the Bible. Verse 10 is actually the last time we hear of Lazarus in the Word of God. Although commentators and theologians would tell us that it seems to be that after his resurrection, Lazarus returned to the kind of life he had before his sickness and death as a mortal human being. Others would argue that after returning to that normal life, he actually, he actually gets a job as a bishop. He, he becomes ordained as a bishop. So, so either way, here's what we know. Regardless of the text that I just read to you, he lived on. Which I find splendid and surprising. I find it splendid, but I find it surprising. I find it splendid because here is a man that died, gets resurrected, and he now is able to go back to his normal life. But not only is he able to go back to his normal life, life gets better on the other side of his revival. Life gets better. I find it surprising because when you read verse 10, the Bible says that the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Which means the last time we hear his name in the Bible, many were being saved because of him. And as a result of that, the enemy decided, I want him dead. And yet, although the enemy decided that he should die, he did not. Although the enemy decided that he should die, he did not die. The enemy had a plan, yes, but the plan did not pan out. Lazarus remained untouched by the enemy and ends up more blessed by God. But Pastor Chris... The enemy decided that he should die. The enemy made a decision. Yes, the enemy did make a decision, but so did God. God made a decision that Lazarus will live. 
God made a decision that Lazarus would not remain dead. God made a decision that there was more life on the other side of the death that Lazarus was in the middle of. And what I felt to say to you today is that the enemy has decided about you. Spiritual warfare is a very real thing. However, God's decisions are so much more important and it's so much more impressive and are so much more valid than any decision that the enemy has made against you and your family and your peace. The enemy has decided that he doesn't want to see your marriage flourish. The enemy has decided that he doesn't want your business to, to, to flourish. The enemy has decided that he does not want you to be able to sleep through the night. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I've made a decision and my decisions are so much more important than whatever it is that the enemy has decided. And what the Holy Spirit is saying is, son, daughter, I've made a decision over you. Your marriage is about to get better. Your children are about to get saved. The sickness is is about to be gone in the name of Jesus. Although you are in the middle of it, God has made a decision and he is saying, son, daughter, you will live. There is life on the other side of it, but God, there's death. Yes, but death does not stop me. I never said that you wouldn't die. I'm just saying that death doesn't get the final word. And what God is saying is, son, daughter, there is life in front of you. And if there was ever a word to trust in today, it is not the lies of the enemy, but the one who when he speaks, orbits come out of his mouth. He says, sun go there, moon go there. When he speaks, life happens. Is there anybody in the room that says if there was a word to hold on to, if there was a truth to hold on to, it is the truth and the word of Jesus. I need all the believers, take about 20 seconds and give them a shout. He says, son, you will live. Daughter, you will live. You're getting your rest back. Your child's about to come home. The addiction's going to be broken. It's not going to get the best of you. It is not going to get the final say. I tell a better story than your emotions, than the enemy, because every word that comes out of the, the mouth of the enemy is a lie and deceit. But I only speak truth, and I don't say things to make you feel good. I say things that I mean, and I say what I do. And he says, son, daughter, you might be in the middle of it, but there is life in front of you. If you are ready to receive that life, put a shout on it. He says, I got you. I, I got you. I I got you. I want you to fixate your attention on me. I got you. I, I got you. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to, we are going to separate ourselves from the lies of the enemy because we have given too much validity to those lies. The truth is the enemy's real, but the better truth is God is greater than the reality of the enemy. Because although they plot against you, it's not that there won't be a plot. The question that we need to start asking is, why are there plots? Which we'll get to. But you need to hang your hat on this truth. Although they plot against you, their evil schemes will what? Never succeed. You know why, people of God? Because you are protected. You are protected. We're all the born-again people. No disrespect to the non-saved people. You came, you're trying to figure out church. All good. We are so happy you are here. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But all the people that are born again, you have confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I need all of you people to make some noise real quick. Make some noise real quick. 
Here is the reality of that confession and pronouncement. You are protected. If you are born again, you are protected. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are protected. And although they plot against you, their evil schemes will what? Never succeed. As I was studying the text, trying to understand this word that I was preparing to preach, I learned in my studies that the name Lazarus actually translates to God has helped. How cool is that? I thought to myself, dang, God, I wish my name meant that, you know. God has helped. But then as I was reading the Bible, I actually learned that my name means that and more. In fact, if you're a born-again believer, I could tell you what your name means. I don't even need to know your name to be able to tell you what your name means if you're born again. All the born-again people, you ready to hear what your name means? God has helped. God is helping. God will continue to help. That is in your birthright. God has helped. He's helped me to, in the past. God is helping. He's helping me in my present. The things that I'm aware of and unaware of. The things I'm mindful of and aren't even mindful of. The attacks that I'm aware of and the attacks that I don't even know are being plotted against me. He's helped me in the past. He's helped me in the present. And guess what? His goodness and his mercy, it never runs out. Therefore, just because he helped me in the past and he's helping me currently, he's going to continue to help me all the days of my life because he says I am God and I am for you I will never leave you nor will I forsake you why because I am protected I am his and he is mine if he is yours put a shout on it and here's the reality here's the reality of this revelation we know this to be true we know Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 4, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So he goes with you. He doesn't leave you. But as he goes with you, he says, I'll do the fighting. You just do the praising and I'm doing it so that I could save you because I'm God. I don't lose and I'm not going to lose you. You're protected. You will get through whatever it is you're going through. We don't minimize what you're dealing with. It is difficult. It is hard. It is challenging but friend daughter if you belong to the king of king he says it is to my credit that you will be saved and yet although we know this to be true so often we live like it's not we live like it's true for everybody else but us for being honest it takes one to know one i'll never forget i'll never forget being a junior higher well that's what we used to call it now it's called middle school uh, but i went to junior high school in flushing queens is 25 and i remember i remember this one friday afternoon leaving school you got to understand i loved friday afternoons okay it meant the weekend was here i was a 65 average student i could not wait to get out of school by the way and that's not self-deprecation i say that proudly you know what i mean i was never embarrassed of being a 65 average student because I'm like, you're A plus, I'm 65. We both made it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we both arrived. <laughs> and some of you were like, fight harder. I'm like, I'm just happy to be here, you know? <laughs> like, my wife was an A plus student her entire life. And I'm like, and look, we got married. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> 
I, I, loved, I loved Friday afternoons uh, because I wasn't a good student, and I looked forward to Friday evenings, you know, TGIF, Full House, Step by Step, Family Matters, right? Saturday morning, WWF. Like, I just lived for, for the weekend. So Fridays was my jam. Leaving school, heard that bell, let's go. And I'll never forget walking home this one Friday afternoon, and it was me and my friends, and as we're walking home, this other group of kids, larger, stronger, bigger kids came and surrounded us. And for whatever reason, they pointed me out. They said, hey, you. I go, me? They go, yeah, you. We're going to beat you up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> One of them steps forward and goes, you know what? We're not going to beat you up. We're going to take your money. I'm like, okay. Someone else stepped forward and goes, you know what? We're not going to take your money. It was the most confusing altercation I've ever been a part of. <laughs> it's a true story. They go, no, nah, get out of here. And the moment they said that, I was like, you don't got to tell me twice. You know, I started walking away. And as I'm walking away, true story, one of them screams out, but next week, we're going to beat you up. <laughs> and it's amazing because I walked out of that situation completely untouched. With the same amount of money I came in with, I left with. And yet, they got me. Physically, they didn't touch me. But mentally, they got me. They, they got me because although I never saw them again, I never saw them again. I heard them every day of my life. Oh my goodness, every day that now that I walked home from school, I no longer walked with my friends. I no longer did the things that I used to love doing, get pizza, play basketball, hang out with my friends, play spades. Now all of that was out of the window. I now just had to get home as quickly as possible. And I thought to myself at every corner, at every turn, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to be there waiting for me. And I never saw them, but because their words reverberated through my mind, I was no longer able to do the things that I used to love doing. Now all of those things were off the table and I was just committed to getting home as quickly as possible because now that seemed like the safest thing for me. And some of you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. You, you used to love doing certain things and you no longer do them. Whether it was going to get your nails done, walking around the mall, hanging out with friends, hosting a small group, talking in the lobby after church. Something happened in your life. Something rocked your world. And it has now shifted how you live and how you behave. You are no longer doing the things that used to find so much enjoyment in doing. You know why? Because fear doesn't stop death. It stops life. It stops living. It wants to keep you and it wants to stop you so that you cannot move forward. Now all the things that you used to find all your enjoyment in doing, now all of them seem like a horrible idea because now you think post-COVID, post-tragedy, post-trauma, now you actually believe after everything it is you went through, the world is not safe and people are not safe. I'm not going back in that car. I'm not going back to that store. I'm never talking to people again because although I had 50 great people, one person said something and it was cruel and it was mean so now I think it's better if I protect myself from all people and now and now life looks completely different now you're drinking a little bit more than you used to now you're in bed all day now the idea is go to church get in get out let them see you so they don't think that you don't love Jesus anymore get to the car as quickly as possible we got food at home we're going home 
you're not, you're not, you're not doing whatever it is that it was. And I bet you, I, I bet you, if we had time to pass the mic around and share with those that, that, are, that can identify with this point, I bet you, I bet you it was after something great. I bet you that God did something great in your world, in your marriage, in your health, in your finances. I bet you there was a promotion. I bet you it was a new season. Something happened in your world. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the enemy goes, yep, they're celebrating. They're rejoicing. I got to sneak in and I got to make them believe that God is not really for them. And the truth is, this is exactly what has happened throughout the entire time. And here you are questioning the existence of God when in actuality, what you're going through is actually proof of the existence of God but it's also proof of the existence of the enemy because he is bothered by everything it is that you are dealing with and all the different ways that you are celebrating but if we're being honest you're just like God why me this happens all throughout the Bible. There's a story in the Old Testament where a prophet named Elisha. Elisha is a great man of God. God uses him in a great and mighty way. He stands up representing our God and he's able to murder all these prophets, these hundreds of prophets that represent a false God named Baal. And these prophets work for a king, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, demonic possessed people. And he's able to stand strong in front of these prophets and he murders them. Then exactly after that moment, because they were in the middle of a desert, not only were they in the middle of a desert, they're in the middle of a drought. He has the respect of Ahab just a bit. King Ahab, he tells King Ahab, hey, King Ahab, go on and eat and drink on the other side of the mountain. I'm going to stay right here. And what does he do? He starts to pray. And now in the middle of a desert and in the middle of a drought, think of that contrast. He starts to pray and he starts to pray. All of a sudden, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist. It starts to come and it starts to move forward. And now does it only start to rain? It starts to be a, such a heavy rain. It's such a heavy rain that they literally all have to now rush back inland. It was such a heavy rain that they now have to get back to a safe place and it says that everyone jumped on their horses and their chariots but the power of God falls on the prophet Elijah and he's able to outrun the horses and he's able to outrun the chariots and he makes it back inland and then the very next verse says that King Ahab told Jezebel what Elisha did so Jezebel sends word to Elisha and she says I swear by my gods which gods the ones that just lost I swear by my gods, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. And yet, even though the, the, the time comes, the next day comes, and he's still alive, Elisha still becomes overwhelmed with fear to the point that he becomes suicidal. And he says, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to die. You ever been there? Let's be honest, man. Let's, let's talk about those, those hospital moments, those, those moments where we don't even want to do this anymore because if we just try to act like God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And it's not to say that he's not good. He is good, but life can be tough. These moments, they, they happen. They, they happen and they, they rob us and they, they break us. They break us down. And yet, Although he had all the proof that God was good, God was real, the prophets just died, the rain came, he allowed the words of the enemy to become greater than the evidence of God. He allowed what she said to be greater than what God did. And the truth is, she had no authority. She just spoke like she did. <laughs> 
And this is exactly what fear does. She, she was like a glorified mall cop. No disrespect to the mall cops. They have on the uniform. They have the, the shield. But in actuality, they can't, they can't lock you up. They're, they're, they're authority, but goes only so far. And this is exactly what the enemy does. He has no authority. He just talks like he does. And because of the vibrato he uses and the words that he uses, he will make you believe that he is something that he is not. This is why the Bible says, if you could throw that verse up on the screen for me, look what the Bible says in first Peter chapter five, first Peter chapter five says this, it says, stay alert, watch out, stay alert, watch out. That's the NLT translation. The NIV translation says this, it says, be sober and be vigilant, be sober and be vigilant. I want you to just write down that word, be sober. We're going to touch that real quick. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like, somebody say like, like, let's do that again. That was a little bit discombobulated. Like, there we go, choir. Uh, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Be sober, be vigilant. Friends, this is not a verse about alcohol. Now, that is not permission to drink. You need a word about not getting drunk? Here it is. Don't get drunk, okay? There's a whole word. But if we were to reduce that scripture to liquor, we will minimize what the verse is actually talking about. This verse is actually talking about being sober minded because so many of you are intoxicated by the fear that the enemy keeps serving you. And as he keeps serving you these shots of fear, you keep taking it in. But because he's sneaky, you don't even realize you're taking the shots of fear because you're a believer and you love Jesus and you would never willingly take these shots of fear. But he does it in subtle ways. He, he does it through conversations that have gossip and even though the person said, I just want to confide in you and they really just wanted to dump on you and gossip to you because you keep allowing the conversation to happen. You keep taking these shots of fear or you know that you shouldn't be watching those shows because it doesn't do well for you, but you don't want to be the only one that hasn't binge watched whatever that show was because everyone's talking about it on social media and God forbid you don't see it. But when you see it, it's triggering for you and it does something to you and now it's another show shot. It's another shot of fear. Even though social media has not done well for you, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, it has not done well for you, but you think you need it in order to stay apart and you go on and you scroll. And every time you scroll, it's another shot. It's another shot. And he keeps serving you and it's another shot. And you're over here trying to walk out this Christian faith. You're trying to stay on the straight and narrow, but lately you've been stumbling the line as you're walking and it's because you're walking it out, but you're taking, you're taking shot after shot after shot and it's not that you're not anointed you are anointed but equally you're afflicted you're anointed and you're afflicted just like Elisha God's hand was on him but fear had a grip on him and this is your adversary the enemy it says be sober and be vigilant because as you try to live for Jesus and raise your children for Jesus you keep telling yourself you're doing that as a hobby you're doing it to cool down you're doing it to mellow out and you're doing things and every time you you do it it is affecting your soul be sober be vigilant 
Your enemy, the adversary, he walks about like, like. So he's not an actual lion. He's only pretending to be a lion. He's a like a lion. He's in costume. It's like a glorified Halloween costume. And that's what you got, got you running scared. So wait a minute. He's not a lion, but he's making lion noises, which tells me he's making sounds that are unnatural to him because he doesn't trust his own appearance and he doesn't even trust the sound of his own voice. So he has to appear to be something else. And here we are running scared. That's the same game you play with your toddler around the kitchen when your toddler goes, rawr, I'm going to get you. And you go, oh no, don't get me. It's the same thing. The enemy is, is making these, these noises. He's pretending to be something that, that he's not. And it has you running scared when in actuality he holds no real authority because he's not, he's not anything but someone playing pretend. And here you are all saved. You're born again, a believer on the side of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You got you an actual lion and you're worried about a like a lion when you stand on the side of the lion of the tribe of Judah. He says, when I roar, I mean it. When I roar, enemy has to flee. When I roar, sickness be gone. When I roar, heaven becomes your eternity. When I roar, sick people get healed. When I roar, cancer has to be gone. When I roar, people get up. And you're worried about somebody that has no real authority. I need the people in the room that say, I know who I am. I know who I serve. I belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If that's you, take about 20 seconds and give them a shout. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm still in my intro. It's the production team, don't worry about all those notes. I'm going to land this plane. But I have to say this to you before I move out of this verse. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the enemy, walks around like a lion. The Bible says what? Resist him. That's it? All I gotta do is resist? He's not even that powerful? All I gotta do is just say no? That's it? I don't need a crucifix? I don't need to get holy water from the Jordan, you know, three payments in 1995. I don't need to get some sage. Some of you got more, more TikTok theology than you realize, talking about if I light these herbs, it's going to bring peace to my house. You over here lighting sage, inviting other spirits in your house when you have the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is what? Resist him. You just say, no. Stay in bed all day. No. Come on, pick up that bottle. No. Take those pills. No. Get on the phone with that person. No. Pastor Chris, why do you keep doing that? So you never forget it. This week when you're, just for fun, when your spouse asks you to do something, just say, no. And then do it so you don't die. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't have that much power. Just, that's it. No. That's it. Why? Because just like Lazarus, your testimony is the same. 
once were dead, but now you're alive. You once were blind, but now you see. You once were lost, but now you're found. You do not understand that, that, that your progress in God is bad business for the enemy. You have to understand that your life is like a bad Yelp review for the enemy because the enemy is trying to sell to people that God is not good, God does not save, peace does not exist, joy can never be found, happiness can never be experienced, but here you are going through everything it is that you went through. You were once lost, you were addicted, you were broke, you were lost, and God saved you and the enemy goes, wait a minute, God did something in them and through them? Here's what I'm trying to get at. The fact that I know that I could have revival again is the fact that I was once already revived. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. You don't even get it. Some of you are questioning if revival is possible and the fact that heaven is your destiny is proof that you're already the evidence of revival because there was a Jesus who was dead, but three days later, Later, he overcame the death and resurrected and because he did I'm alive today and I'm a walking talking breathing miracle I need all those people in the room that would say I once was lost but I'm alive right now I once was sick but now I'm healed I once was blood I need all those people lift up your hands open up your mouth and give Jesus your best shout Pastor Chris, it's layered. Man, it's layered. It's, it's so layered. Stay standing. We're going to land this plane. It's so layered. Because there's someone here, you're saved. And yet you're trying to figure out if he loves you. What? Well, can he do it for me? He already did. Which means he'll continue too. We celebrate the fact that, that he revived Lazarus all while brushing over the fact that he created Lazarus. The reason why Lazarus has the relationship with Jesus is because he, he confessed that Jesus as his Savior, he already had a revival, which is why Mary and Martha knew to go to Jesus in the first place. Did they doubt in the middle? Yeah, but who doesn't doubt in the middle? We doubt in the middle. And he says, even though you doubt, I don't hold it against you. I'm so good. I'm so good that even when you're you just got even a little bit of mustard seeds uh, even when you just got a little bit I'll do it for you if you would say man Pastor Chris you really touched on something fear has been running amok on my home on my mental health on my peace on my marriage on my children some of you are you're waking up at night no one even knows it you're overeating you're eating for comfort hurting yourself while trying to figure out God can I can I go back he says son daughter not only can you go back but you can go back and get better you can go to another level of joy and, and happiness if you would say Pastor Chris that's what I need today I need a revival in my in my spiritual life I need a revival in my joy lift up your hands come on lift up your hands lift up your hands yeah there you go my goodness, if that's you, lift up your hands, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. Come on, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Jesus. And what a beautiful song, by the way. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Father God, 
I pray right now that you would fall on each and every person. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill them. I pray you overwhelm them with your love. I pray, oh God, that you would meet them where they're at. I pray, oh God, that not only would you forgive them, but you would cleanse them. You would remove those lies of the enemy. And I pray, oh God, that they would stay fixated and focused on you. Touch them. Can we just sing the chorus? If we don't have time, that's okay. But here's what I want to point out to you. Lazarus never goes outside the house to argue with the leading priest. The leading priest decided that he should die. Lazarus doesn't make that his business because he's so fixated on Jesus. Why would he leave the presence of the great high priest to talk to a lead priest? Do not reduce your relationship to say that you have to handle it when God says, stay with me and it'll be handled. So if you're going to experience revival, you have to make the commitment on the other side of revival. I'm staying in the house. I'm staying in the presence of Jesus. I'm staying close to him. I ain't walking away. Nothing's going to get my attention. I can't think of a better song. Lift up your hands, open up your mouths, and just sing this as a declaration and as a promise to God. Give me Jesus. Come on. like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.